I am sure that most of you are aware by now that here in Ontario, we're not allowed to attend a church. I have been very vocal about my belief that churches should not be closed and that they should defy the government because the government doesn't have the right to close our church. Both biblical authority and the Constitution are clear about this. There have been a few churches in Ontario that have decided they will open their doors, and they are facing charges. One church is Trinity Bible Chapel with Pastor Jacob. Yesterday, I was shocked to read an article that quoted a professor from Heritage Bible College and Seminary. Here's what it said. Stan Fowler can't help but feel sadness about all that has gone on over the last several months. That statement was no different for a theological studies professor at Heritage College and Seminary in Cambridge on Sunday, when churchgoers attended Sunday services at Trinity Bible Chapel in Woolwich Township, despite the warnings and orders that were gone out. But to say the restriction isn't an attack on faith? Fowler isn't buying it. I think it's confusing categories if you're to say this is an attack on our faith, he told Mike Farwell's show on 570 News. It certainly limits the way in which we can carry on our ministries right now, but it's designed to be temporary and for the common good. He said many churches have turned to virtual gatherings amid the pandemic, and they recognize that it's not an ideal situation. Fowler said that while the Bible calls for people to gather, and that's the normative description, these are abnormal times. Whether going to a place of worship is deemed essential depends on who you ask. Fowler says the term means different things in different concepts, and in the end, suggested we may all have to tone down the rhetoric, as it creates all kinds of interpretive questions. Now, I was angry when I read this. Professor Stan is a professor at Heritage and has been since the start of the school in 1993. At the end of December, when Doug Ford said that all the churches should be closed, Trinity released a statement. They said they had closed their church for the two weeks to flatten the curve, and they had remained closed for the rest of the months that the government continued to extend that. They had followed each and every rule during the summer, and while they wanted to obey and respect the government, they would not close the doors of the church this time, that they had to follow God's law. A week later, Professor Stan released a statement saying the opposite. Now, I want to be clear here and say that both of these statements were really respectful. Trinity did open the doors, and they were faced with charges. Each elder of the church was faced with fines, and the next week, more fines. They were given a court date and told they could face up to one year in prison. And that's when 570 News contacted Stan. He didn't have to stand so strongly against the church, especially knowing that they had a court date coming up and faced possible time in prison. Now, after reading this article, I contacted Heritage, and I'm really pleased and happy to know that they did respond. I'm going to read to you what they said. Thank you for your concern for the advancement of the gospel and the growth of the church, and I share that concern. I also come from a pastor's home, a great experience. As you know, churches and Christians have different convictions when it comes to responding to the current government restrictions. Dr. Fowler, who was interviewed by several media outlets, gave his understanding on this matter in a charitable way. All of us need God's grace and wisdom to honor the Lord and live out the commands of Scripture, like Romans 13. I've been praying for Pastor Jacob and the church he shepherds. Okay, I'm going to read this email again, and I'm going to share a few thoughts 
that I had when I read it. First of all, as you know, churches and Christians have different convictions when it comes to responding to the current government restrictions. That is really well said, and I agree with that. And why couldn't Professor Stan simply said that to the media? Just said, you know what? Churches and Christians have different convictions when it comes to responding to the current government restrictions. Why didn't he just say, you know what? I'm not going to throw a pastor in our community who graduated from our school under the bus. I'm just going to say, different churches and Christians have different convictions. That's not what he said. The next part is, Dr. Fowler, who was interviewed by several media outlets, gave his understanding on this matter in a charitable way. So when I read that, I think he stabbed Pastor Jacob in the back, but he was really nice in the way he said it, so it's totally fine. All of us need God's grace and wisdom to honor the Lord and live out the commands of Scripture, like Romans 13. I agree with that. I do need more of God's grace and wisdom in order to know I'm honoring the Lord and living out His commands. We could also read Hebrews 10.25. I've been praying for Pastor Jacob and the church he shepherds. I'm just going to say personal note here. Probably the most annoying thing about Christian culture is the I'm praying thing. Perhaps they really are praying for Pastor Jacob and the church. When I read this email, I thought, Hey, we're throwing Pastor Jacob under the bus, but don't worry because we're praying for him as the bus drives over him. We're we're stabbing Pastor Jacob in the back, but it's fine because we're being really charitable with our words that we use, and we're praying for him. The thing is, there's even more news articles that came out from more news sites. And from the reply from Heritage, it's clear that Stan was interviewed by several different news sites. So this wasn't even a one-time throw under the bus. It was multiple times. Now, I was really angry, and I responded, and I posted on Facebook and Instagram. And I posted my disappointment not only in the current situation, but my disappointment in the school in general. And just to be honest and clear, I am going to read what I wrote. I am beyond disappointed in heritage. It's bad enough that the churches around us are closed. But to see Heritage throw Pastor Jacob under the bus is beyond disgusting. This is the same school that's pumping out the shallow, TED Talk pastors that have been silent on abortion, euthanasia, and sin in general. And the funny thing is, graduates from Heritage have told me that it's terrible, and that they're teaching pastors that the congregations are basically too stupid for theology. Now, people were pretty angry with me, and I get that. People said I sounded really angry, and that's because I really, really was. People were upset with me, said I was too harsh, and I said really harsh things about heritage, and I get that. I tended to be the type of person who was harsh sometimes, and I could be more gentle, and I could be more charitable in my answers. But I'm just going to point out that you're upset with me. I'm nobody. I'm just a mom on Facebook saying some things about heritage. Shouldn't you be upset about a professor from the main Baptist seminary in Canada, making statements to the press in opposition of a pastor who could end up in prison? Professor Stan may have been more flowery, more charitable in his way of speaking than I was, but his words could be used to throw a pastor in jail. But that said, 
Some people also thought that I was saying that every single grad from Heritage is a shallow TED Talk pastor, and I was not saying that at all. I know some really, really incredible people who love God with all their heart and who truly want to serve Him who graduated from Heritage. But I'm going to be really honest with you for a little bit. Over the years, I have seen a problem in the Baptist churches, especially in Ontario. Biblical literacy has been in a major decline. And while the Baptist churches in Ontario have not been preaching false theology, something has changed in our churches since the 80s and 90s when I grew up in Baptist churches. We used to talk about creation. A lot, actually. We had creation conferences. We used to talk about things happening in our culture. We used to have altar calls. We used to have Sunday school. We used to memorize our Bible. We used to have Wednesday night Bible study and prayer meetings. We used to need to bring our Bibles to church. We used to really, really know our Bibles. In fact, one of the things we were told is that we needed to have more heart knowledge instead of just all the head knowledge that we had. But it kind of seems like now in our churches, we don't have either. It was in the early 2000s when I personally began to see the problem. I was a new mom and I was teaching a junior church class. I was given the curriculum and the Bible lesson was a video. The rest of the curriculum involved games and crafts. The video was exactly eight minutes long. I remember thinking, these kids have a whole week in public school being indoctrinated into a really anti-God world view. We only have them for one hour a week, and almost that entire hour is being spent on games and crafts. I decided to make it a goal that I was going to do something about that. At the very least, I would teach more when I was in the classroom, but I'd also push for more in the church not only the one I was personally attending at the time, but also the churches in general across Ontario. I was given an opportunity to speak in conferences, and I took every chance that I could. I tried to help churches and show them how they could teach even little kids really big concepts like grace, justification, redemption, and salvation. What I found, though, was that most churches just wanted an easy curriculum, something that didn't require their volunteers to spend very much time preparing. Really, all they required from their volunteers was that they didn't have a criminal record and they had some sort of a testimony of salvation and that they sat through one long, boring session about child protection policies. But they didn't have to know how to teach grace, justification, redemption, salvation, or even know what those concepts were themselves. I know that probably sounds harsh. But if you're honest, you'll admit that's the reality. It wasn't until about five years ago that I began to realize that the shallow children's programs weren't actually our biggest problem in the church. The adult service had become just as basic. I was meeting with a lot of different people from a lot of different Baptist churches across Ontario. I was starting to be able to speak more and I was able to attend a lot of different conferences and different churches. And I love to talk about theology. Whenever I had a chance, I would sit down with people and talk to them about theology. But what I found out was that people didn't know theology, not even the basics. And one day I realized 
that our churches, our Baptist churches in Ontario, are the churches of Laodicea from Revelation 3. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one of them. So because you're lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth. I don't need a thing. But you don't realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so then you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. It wasn't the Baptists were suddenly teaching a false doctrine. It was that they weren't teaching any doctrine. It's not that they were hot or cold, but they were rich. They had coffee shops and fancy lightings and seatings. They had programs, lots and lots of programs. Oh, and the pastor is dressed really cool now. The churches had technology and posters with cool designs about the topics they'll be preaching on for the next month. They were rich, had fancy clothes, and were completely blind to all the problems that were rising up. I thought, you know what, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's because I grew up in a pastor's home, or my father and I would spend hours talking about theology. Maybe I'm just expecting more than I should be expecting. But as I began to talk to other moms, I found out they were hungry for more too, and they knew something in the church was off. They just didn't know what it was. Then I had three conversations that changed my life. The first one was with a lady who'd been in church her entire life. She was a really strong Christian who loved God and was serving Him. I made a basic statement about the seven years of tribulation. She had no idea what I was talking about. So I talked a little bit about the very basics of the book of Daniel and Revelation. And she said she had never in her life heard a message on the book of Revelation or the last half of the book of Daniel. I was shocked. How can someone grow up in a good, strong, Bible-believing Baptist church and have not heard a single message from the book of Revelation? I mean, why study a book if you're not going to read how it ends? But after that conversation, I began to think, I hadn't heard a message on this either in the last 20 years. I heard a lot when I was younger, but nothing recently. I began to think about all of the things I wasn't hearing. I hadn't heard a message about creation. There was no altar calls to repent of sin. When did we get rid of altar calls? There's actually a lot of books of the Bible I hadn't heard anything from except maybe a verse here or there to prove a point. That's when I had the second conversation. It was with a young man who had recently graduated from Heritage. I had just finished teaching a session to children, and I used some pretty big theology words. I was teaching omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient. I had used the words the way I always use them with kids, by saying the definition immediately after the word, and by finding a really fun way to pronounce the words, so that the kids will remember it and be able to use the word themselves. After that, the young man came up and talked to me. He told me he was really surprised to hear me use these theological words with children. But he could tell that the kids actually did get it and that they would remember it. But then he said something that blew my mind. He told me that when he was in college, he was taught 
that pastors should not use theological words when preaching because church congregations would not be engaged that way and they would lose interest. That they had to use regular words and stop using churchy words. I was really angry when I heard that. For one thing, I'm a member of these churches and I'm part of these congregations they're talking about. I found it really insulting and belittling. Does Heritage think that I'm too stupid to handle theological words? The third conversation I had was with a young lady who was planning on having an abortion. I met with her, and I talked with her about why I believed she should keep her baby or give her baby up for adoption. She told me she grew up in a Baptist church and was currently in a Baptist youth group, and she knew Christians were supposed to be against abortion. She didn't really know why. She'd never, ever had anyone talk to her about abortion. From the church. As a side note, that baby's doing well today. Now, all of those conversations happened in a really short time period. And as I began to talk to others, I realized there was something off in our churches. Mainly that we weren't really a church anymore. The Baptists in Ontario had turned into just shows. Really good bands getting up and playing, followed by a TED Talk. Which, by the way, is why they have no problems transitioning to online. Because you can do a good show online. The talks were prepared not for seasoned Christians, but they were prepared for a stranger who might wander in off the streets into their theater seats. Now, there is some good to that. I understand we have to be reaching the lost. We also need to be feeding our flock and not these fast food microwavable meals. We need to be feeding them steak, the really deep parts of the Bible, the hard parts of the Bible. Our Baptist churches also don't talk about social problems we're facing today. More tiny humans died in the first half of this month of January by abortion than the total number of deaths by COVID for the entire year of 2020. I don't see Professor Stan talking to the press about that. I don't see churches doing anything about it, actually. Euthanasia became legal here in Canada in 2016. In fact, just a few weeks ago, a lady was killed by euthanasia, because she didn't want to be alone in her retirement home, and we were about to go into another lockdown. She said she would rather die than be locked up in her retirement home again. So, she was killed. Stan could have talked about her. He didn't. There's a bill about to be passed in Canada that will make it illegal to help someone who has homosexual or transgender tendencies, but doesn't want to. A pastor who counsels someone and helps them get over those feelings will be disobeying the government. Will we still be following Romans 13? Now, what did Stan Fowler from Heritage think was the most pressing, necessary statement to make multiple times to multiple different news agencies? Out of all of the things going on, the huge deaths of abortion so far this year, the lady killed by doctors because she didn't want to go into another lockdown, The passing of a bill that will outlaw a pastor talking about sin? No. The only thing that they found pressing enough to talk to multiple news agencies about and also write a formal statement was against the idea that churches should defy the government and open their doors. That's why I sounded really angry and said what I said. I have many friends who have grown up in Baptist churches in Ontario, and they've left them. They just don't want to be Baptists anymore. 
because they see the Baptist church as weak, boring, and pointless. It's not hot or cold. It's just the stuff you spit out of your mouth. And I have had people over the years tell me that the reason for this is heritage. I never really knew how I felt about that. A few years ago, it did seem that the Baptist Fellowship saw that there was possibly a problem with heritage, and people stepped in and it looked like some pretty big and significant changes had been made. And I know people who are working at Heritage, even today, really good, strong, godly men. And I know people, even family members, who have graduated from Heritage, good, strong, godly men and women. And I'm not saying that every graduate from Heritage is a weak TED Talk pastor who's been silent on abortion, euthanasia, and sin in general. But I am saying this, and just a heads up, I'm about to be harsh and not charitable, and this might upset you if they're the kind of person who needs a trigger warning. The Baptist churches in Ontario are in trouble, and they were been in trouble a long time before COVID hit. And there are too many men in the pulpits who are giving weak, shallow TED Talks. Our churches are too afraid of having anyone in society not love them. Our churches are too silent on topics like abortion, which is the number one killer in the world, or euthanasia, or homosexuality, or transgenderism. And all of these topics the churches would preach on if they just preached the Bible from cover to cover, which they don't. And while not every pastor or person from Heritage is this type of person or pastor, it does seem that a lot of these types of pastors in our Baptist churches have come from Heritage. The gospel of Jesus Christ is just too big and too important to not make sure that the young men learning how to pastor our churches are being taught correctly. Canada needs a revival. We need evangelists like D.L. Moody and Spurgeon. And God can raise up evangelists like this again in our generation. But when God raises up today's D.L. Moody's and today's Spurgeon's, we need to know that our Baptist seminaries are going to equip them to further the gospel. And you know what? I believe God is sending that revival. I think it is on its way. And I do see God raising up men who are willing to stand for truth, even if it means that society is going to hate them, even if it means they end up in prison. Pastor Aaron Rock and Pastor Jacob are two of these men. Now, they were prepared for this fight because they were standing against our culture before the churches were closed. I know Pastor Jacob. He's been speaking out a lot about topics like abortion and euthanasia. He stood against homosexual and transgender movements. You know why I believe Pastor Jacob was the one to stand against the closures of the church? Because he didn't have to stand up. He was already standing, and he had been standing for a while. And he is an alumni that Heritage should be proud of.